Welcome to Spotlight and the second installment of a two-part mini-series focused on women leaders in private markets. I'm Mina Tumai. And I'm Evie Rusman. In July, PEI Group revealed its annual Women of Influence in Private Markets list, which celebrates 60 inspiring women working in alternatives who are paving the way for the next generation of leaders. The full list can be found at several of PEI Group's titles, including privateequityinternational.com, infrastructureinvestor.com and privatedebtinvestor.com. In this episode, we spoke to some of the women featured in the list, including Evgenia Plotnikova, general partner at early stage investor Dawn Capital, Beverly Kilbride, chief operating officer for Europe at real estate manager LaSalle Investment Management, Leah Lazarich Calvert, a senior managing director and the head of the European private capital advisory team at Evaco, a global investment banking advisory firm, and Tori Buffery, partner at private equity investment firm Morningside Capital. They each reflected on the changes the alternative investment industry has undergone over the past decade and discussed how they hope it will develop going forward. Looking back over the past 10 years, Evercore's Lezerich Calvert said private markets has grown significantly. I think it's been an incredible time for private markets in the last 10 years. And I think 10 years ago, I've been in private markets since 2007. And at that time, or 10 years ago, private markets was sort of the poorer cousin to public market investing. It was always a a small fraction of the industry and one that wasn't necessarily very well understood by a wide variety of investors. I think that so both from a scale perspective and sort of a sophistication perspective, it was always sort of a little bit in the corner. What has happened over the last 10 years is that we've seen significant inflows into private markets compared to the decade before that, which is obviously great. And it has brought private markets much more to the arena of the common investors. But also, I think the branding of the industry has significantly improved. 10 years ago, I think people that weren't necessarily investing in private markets themselves could probably not have named 10 private equity firms that they knew about. Nothing compared to, you know, the Black Rocks, Fidelities, Vanguards, and sort of more traditional asset management firms. Whereas today, if you open the Financial Times or if you listen to PEI or other sort of news organizations, you know, most people have heard of Blackstone, Carlyle, KKR. In addition to private markets growth as a whole, certain asset classes like venture capital have also become more mainstream, says Dawn Capital's Evgenia Plotnikova. What we've been observing in in the last decade in the private markets is that venture capital has certainly come more and more into focus as an asset class. When I originally was starting uh, to invest about a decade ago, private equity was a very common asset class, was very well known asset class, but venture capital was certainly, particularly in Europe, still in its early days. I think today, even the popularization of terms like a unicorn or a decacorn or, or a sunicorn in the more mainstream press is a testament to the fact that both venture capital and technology have become a, a bigger focus of investing. And I think that is extremely exciting. I think what we've also perhaps been observing beyond the fact that venture has certainly emerged as an exciting part of private markets is that it's become increasingly more global. Another notable area of growth has been the secondaries market with transaction volume increasing from around $26 billion in 2013 to $103 billion in 2022, according to Evercore data. Tori Buffery has had a front row seat to that growth. She worked on numerous secondary transactions at CPP Investments before joining GP-led secondary specialist Morningside Capital in 2016. 
I think secondaries has become so much more than LPs seeking liquidity. It's become a massive tool, not just for LPs, but for GPs to kind of manage and perfect the whole periods within their own portfolio. And I actually feel really lucky that I've been at the forefront of that, going from CPP to one of the first firms to actually focus on GP-leds. It's been a space that has changed so significantly, and it actually now accounts for about half of the secondaries market, which isn't something that I thought I would be saying, actually, when, when we got started with Morningside. Like Buffery, Lazarich Calver, who has led on some of the most high-profile GP-led secondaries transactions in Europe, agreed that the secondaries market has seen huge changes, with more capital being invested into the space. GP-leds, in other words means secondary processes that are initiated and in a sense managed by fund sponsors, as opposed to LPs simply wanting to sell out of a fund. I think the secondaries market has had a huge transformation in the last five years. It has become much more varied in the products that it offers to private equity participants. Obviously, historically, it's been very much focused on advising LPs on liquidity solutions around their portfolios. We've obviously seen huge growth in the GP-led space which today represents about 50% of the market transaction volume that we see. And I think that, you know, more liquidity is always a good thing. And I think coming up with new products that will provide that liquidity is a good thing. I think, as always, when an industry is rapidly changing, there needs to be sort of an institutional framework that is developed around it, which I think we are now seeing that is happening in order to make sure that all the participants can benefit from what is happening in the industry. But I do think it's a very exciting place to be within private markets. Alongside increasing interest in certain sectors and strategies, some common themes have risen up the agenda across alternative asset classes over the past decade. One of the most prominent is ESG. For example, in PEI Group's latest LP perspective study, almost 9 in 10 investors said evidence and consideration of ESG plays a role in manager selection. Meanwhile, around 80% of investors take into account evidence of diversity, equity and inclusion at the GP level. Speaking from a real estate perspective, LaSalle's Beverly Kilbride believes that the focus on these issues has been one of the most significant shifts in the industry in recent years. So the most significant change that I've seen is that the dialogue has expanded beyond the financials. So what I mean by that specifically to real estate investment is that the offerings of our built environment are now firmly embracing the impact of the environment, tenant well-being, communities, and how our strategies contribute more to inclusive environments. But that's also reflected in our industry. So as professionals, that dialogue has also expanded. So we're looking much more closely at the higher expectations of our team members, but also of our clients that are examining our strategies with regard to talent development, the importance of our diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies, and how they translate into the teams that we manage. So if I look back at LaSalle over the last 10 years, and I see the changes that have been made there, what I have in mind is, of course, our DEI strategies, but in particular, our culture of care strategy that we have implemented globally. And we've definitely recognized that a lot of the cultural elements that we had already needed bringing to the forefront needed to be illustrated more clearly uh, to our colleagues and, of course, our clients. And that's definitely a change that we've seen over the last decade. Another unfolding theme has been the democratization of private markets, as the industry has sought to expand and diversify its investor base. Buffery argued that private equity so far hasn't quite removed the barriers to entry currently present in the industry and said there is still a lot of work to be done. 
I think private equity itself hasn't really done a great job in changing, I would say. You look at the composition of the players in the market, you look at the way they structure their funds, you look at a lot of the LPs, and it has really been quite similar over the last kind of 15 to 20 years. I think we do see some headway in the market with people trying to think about ways that you can serve investors, not just within the permitted client space, but also retail, smaller investors. And you see the emergence of some interesting structures. There's a few groups doing open-ended funds. We do something that we think is kind of a hybrid between the traditional GPLP structure and an open-ended fund. But I do think there's still a lot of work there to be able to address some of the barriers to entry that are inherent with investing in private equity. But I do think we are a smart group of people We'll find a way to tap those dollars at some point. I just, I don't think we're quite there yet. And so I, I think there'll be some more to come in that space and maybe uh, some technology to help us there along the way. One of the challenges to bringing more retail or private wealth capital into the asset class has traditionally been its liquid nature, although new products and structures are being developed to address this. Liquidity is also an issue for institutional investors, particularly those facing allocation constraints. However, Lazaric Calvert says private equity is becoming more liquid as well as more institutionalized. I think that entrepreneurial spirit is still very much there as part of the industry. But because of the significant growth that this industry has seen, it has become much more institutionalized. So the large private equity firms today are run like big asset management businesses, which used to not be the case 10 years ago. And I think that there is also a focus on growing assets under management because it's obviously a very sustainable business model for them for the future. I think that what's also happening is that the private markets industry is becoming much more liquid. I think one of the problems of private markets historically has been that maybe institutional capital was slightly wary of putting too much money into private markets because there wasn't a very efficient way to get out of it. When asked how she would like to see the industry evolve over the next decade, LaSalle's Kilbride said the conversation around DE&I and ESG needs to be at the forefront of decision-making. If I had my choice, (laughs) I think we would definitely keep expanding that dialogue beyond the financials. So recognizing naturally we are a private equity sector and the importance of the resilience of value. I think that we're definitely on the right trajectory, but we have progress to make with regard to evaluating all the factors that influence the investment in real estate and also the investment in our people. So when we talk about evaluating the performance of an asset, themes like ESG, the well-being elements, uh, you know, the resilience, the contribution to a city of a particular, let's say, renovation project and how that integrates from being a single-use type, let's say an office, into a mixed-use development, those are really key points today. I think similarly from the profession's perspective, looking at how we evaluate performance or career performance is also very important. At LaSalle, we're very focused on the equity part of DEI and looking at how our talent management strategy embraces uh, performance at different stages of career. So it's not just the higher performances in the hierarchy of the organization. It's looking at what people require individually to be able to perform at different parts of their career, different elements they're facing or embracing in their private lives, you know, where they are on their personal trajectory and what they would like to contribute to the organization, how we can empower them to do so. 
Morningside Capital's Buffery would also like to see greater diversity within private markets, as well as a more diverse investor base. You know, you really don't see a lot of diversity across the board. It's not just gender specific. I really do think diversity goes a long way towards managing investments and managing culture at firms. I think it keeps people kind of in check. And then in terms of other ways to be diverse, I think in that vein, different types of LPs being able to invest in funds, which I kind of talked about, not just kind of permitted clients, but other types of investors who maybe thought they couldn't access the space. But I think in order to get there, you're going to see a lot of education happening in the market. I think people don't want to invest in something that they're not certain about. I think people are nervous when they're uncertain about something. So I think there just needs to be a lot of educating and teaching people what to expect when it comes to private equity. And I think that needs to come from the gatekeepers being open with information and also not charging fees that are overly burdensome and and eat into the, the returns of regular investors. A further area that will need attention is how private markets adapt to advances in technology. The development of technology has been a huge driver of change over the past decade, according to Lazaric Calvert, who said the industry needs to prioritize it going forward. I think, you know, the industry will have to sort of work out what to do with sort of technological development. I think technology is obviously changing the way we do everything, including this. I think in some ways, some of the practices within the firms are still a little bit archaic and people are trying to get their way around, you know, what does AI mean for me and how do I implement it? How do I work? with it at my firm, at the underlying portfolio companies, with the advisors. So I I think this is something that people are spending time on and we'll see sort of shifts in that. I also think that as an industry that manages so much capital, you know, there is now a focus on energy transition and sustainability. But I think the industry is all still trying to work out where it plays a role. I think the public companies have had much more pressure from regulators and sort of the public domain to decarbonize and go to net zero, whereas I think private markets have been somewhat shielded from that. And I think the industry will have to work out, you know, how it contributes and how it makes sure that in its development, it can sort of stay in line with what public markets have done. When asked about the concerns that keep her up at night, Kilbride re-emphasized the importance of building a sustainable future. That's always a difficult question. And I think in particular today, because there's a lot of change in the world, there's a lot of headwinds that seem to be coming from a lot of directions for our industry. I would say it's a question of momentum. So in one way, this rapidity of change is perhaps perceived as a a negative. It could also be a positive. If I think in particular about climate change and how that is being embraced in our sector, we can definitely see that the momentum that we can make changes to the built environment will definitely have a direct impact on climate change. So that is one element I think that's important. But in parallel to that, we can see that this has become the forefront of a lot of political debate. And therefore, in certain areas in Europe, we have policies that are being introduced that, you know, seized by some as restrictive, others as an opportunity. And it's the momentum at which the professionals in the investment and real estate sector can really embrace and be involved in those changes um, so that the outcome is positive for the wider sector. For Dawn Capital's Plotnikova, finding ways to support the founders and companies the firm invests in is one of her biggest concerns. I think I am extraordinarily privileged to be working with the founders I I work with today. 
being on the sidelines and watching them build the businesses that they do is extraordinarily exciting. Now, what I think about is that I'm never in the driving seat, neither do I ever want to be. I'm more of the coach or a trusted advisor uh, to their greatness. And so what I think about every minute of the waking day or whenever I wake at night is how can I support them better? What is the next milestone that they're seeking and what it is that I as a board member trusted advisor and hopefully in a way a friend can do to make their business a success. This is something that we certainly care about a lot at Dawn. Venture is a product after all is our ability to create the right platform opportunities for them, our ability to provide the right talent to them and our ability to work for the founders that we have invested in together in unison as a partnership. At Dawn there is never my deal, your deal kind of modus operandi. We're very much all behind the founders that we have backed. And so that certainly is something that keeps me awake at night. I think more broadly, what I'm also thinking a lot about is how to continue to remain competitive as a venture capital firm within an industry which has continues to have a lot of dry powder and how to continue to elevate our brand and our proposition, not just for the founders that we have already invested in, but to make sure that we find the best possible opportunities and that every founder would want to work with Dawn. That again was Evercore's Leah Lazaric Calvert, LaSalle Investment Management's Beverly Kilbride, Morningside Capital's Tori Buffery, and Dawn Capital's Evgenia Plotnikova. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Evie Russman. And I'm Mina Tumai. Check out the rest of our Women in Private Funds coverage across various PEI Group titles online. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.